This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Going to get on the Ottawa Senators page here in a couple of moments. Don't forget Haley Salvi on top of the hour from the Athletic and Hockey Central 960. Johnny Duco from TMU, Toronto Metropolitan University, is their head coach. Uh, that institution will host U Sports National Finals next season for the first time since 96-97 at the, uh, the City of Toronto will host the final. So very much looking forward to that next year. Meantime, 5-1 to one is the loss last night at the hands of the San Jose Sharks. The record now in their last 10, 2-7-1. and one. They are the Ottawa Senators. And with us to discuss is uh, the great Ian Mendez from The Athletic who joins me now. Ian, how are you? Hey, Jeff. Uh, I've been better. You know, I, I kind of feel like... Here we here we go again. I, 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 you know, it's it's like yeah. this is the same 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 story for whatever four years in a row. You know what? Uh, Ottawa Senators fans and Vancouver Canucks fans forming support groups as we speak right now, Ian. And I want to get to the sense here in a second. Uh, but was doing this a little bit with uh, with Friedman. I'll I'll see what I can fish out of you as well. Uh, November twenty second. Uh, it's the fifty ninth anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, do you have a favorite <laughs> hockey conspiracy? You know what? And I, uh, I'm, I'm glad your producer gave me a heads up that this was coming. So I, I, I always okay. appreciate okay. that. Um, you know what? I would have to say, and I, I don't know what Elliot said, and I don't know what other people said. It's got to be that in the early nineties, the NBA was petrified that the NHL was taking over <laughs> that space. Right. And there, there was a sports illustrated, uh, headline and the, the yeah. cover that hey is the NHL outgrowing the NBA and then the NBA hockey so was scared. it ho- is it like hockey's hot NBA's not hockey's hot NBA's it, not or something like that exactly was yeah, like a exactly. 94 That's, I believe yeah yeah, 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 it's yeah in that okay. window where Jordan's out and the Rangers win the cup and and the NBA was was panicked about all this and so that they saw this coming so they sent their own number two guy under David Stern uh, his name is Gary Bettman and he's gonna go and mess up the NHL. Uh, for for the next twenty years to make sure the NBA gets back into its footing, you know that's one of the all time cons- conspiracy, uh, you know theories. I love the fact that in sports you get all of these right frozen envelopes from the NBA to get Patrick Ewing and um, you know whatever yeah. they are they're they're, they're they're always fun and uh, yeah that would be the one for me that I I just can't believe. Well, here, here's one of the things that, and I get it, like, you know, local fans are passionate. I get it. You, you live and die with your with your home team. I mean, a lot of it is just grousing about bad calls. You know, ask Buffalo Sabres fans about foot in the crease. Ask Maple Leafs fans about the the high, the, 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 the Gretzky high stick. Like, this yeah. is, whenever you mention, like, okay, what's your favorite conspiracy? It really is, it's just a litany of I'm pissed off about this call. It's not really a conspiracy. It might just be a bad call at the end of it, right? Exactly. It's the simplest explanation is usually what, uh, you know, but that doesn't satisfy uh, agitated sports fans, right? Like you, you're looking for a reason why. And again, part of this whole Batman conspiracy is since he came in, I, I know what he came in February 1st of 93, um, that there's never been a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup in a season in which Gary started as the commissioner, right? Isn't that the, the whole thing that that's part of the conspiracy that he came in to make sure that, yeah, uh, my, you my know, that was the last one. Yeah. 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 
So it's yeah. um, it's it, well, I mean, and and in the process, he's grown it to you know a five billion dollar business. But nonetheless, um, okay. So there's nothing conspiratorial about the situation with the Ottawa Senators. I don't think anything's conspiring against them, other than some suspect play. Now there are some injuries at play here as well. Man, that Josh Norris injury really. I mean, that one just crushes you. But uh, but still, there should be enough that we shouldn't see 2-7-1 and one in their last 10 and in the basement of the Atlantic. What gives here, Ian? Wow, Jeff, this is what's really frustrating for Ottawa fans is that you wake up today, and a lot of them may not have stayed up to watch you know, that game in San Jose. I think a lot of them flipped their televisions off at 4-1. It's, you know, it's 1 in the morning or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But you wake up today, you're in 31st, place in the standings like statistically you have a better odds of landing uh connor bedard than i think than i think maybe even then if you add up arizona and chicago's odds right now it's like what ottawa's odds are like this was not supposed yeah. to be the case so i i think when when you're looking at this i think what's really disconcerting jeff now this is back-to-back games they've lost five to one you know before this you know, they were losing games by almost every game that they lost. I think the first nine or ten games they lost this season was all by essentially one goal. And at the, in the final minute of the game, they had pulled the goalie and they just couldn't quite get the, the equalizing goal. But we all kind of looked at each other and said, you know what? The yeah. underlying numbers are good. The analytics are good. They just need a bounce here or there. I don't know what to say now. You've lost two games and you've been outscored 10 to 2. Like a lot of that stuff gets blown out the window. And you watch that game last night. Yeah. It's poor. It's two things that are submarining this team poor attention to detail in the defensive zone and the inability to cash in on opportunities in the offensive zone. And I know that sounds silly because you're like, hey, Einstein, way to go. Uh, you've explained Ottawa's problems. They can't keep the puck out of their own net and they can't score at 200 feet in the other direction. But, but really, that's exactly what's happening here. And it's, uh, it's very vexing for this fan base. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. And uh, I loved your interview with Brady Kachuk the other day where you know he talked about how he was, you know, sick of everybody, you know, blasting the coach and reading about it online. And, you know, that's what a captain does. Like, that, that's not a shock to, uh, uh, to anybody. Um, but, but here we are, as you mentioned, the, the nature of these last two losses. And, you know, Brady Kachuk mentioned in the interview that you did with him, like, you know, players need to take responsibility here. Well, here's a couple of blowout losses in a season that's quickly slipping away. Where, to your point, you know, you you wonder at which point Ottawa Senators fans start watching Regina Pats games on a consistent sure. basis and get the the CHL package to watch uh, to watch Connor Bedard. And you say to yourself, I know that Pierre Dorian doesn't want to do anything behind the bench. He's indicated that no, DJ Smith is our coach. Period. Ah, you know what, when, when, what's, what's, what's the old, the old great line, you know, when, um, when situations change, I change my opinion. What pray tell do you do? You know, a famous economist once, uh, once said that when he, when he flip flopped on an issue, how do we feel about the coach today in Ottawa? Well, I think, listen, people want, uh, some sort of either a sacrificial lamb or people want somebody to pay a price for this. And I think if you ask the majority of Ottawa fans, Jeff, they would, they would say the coach is the problem here in, in the here and the now. And, uh, you know, uh, look, Pierre Dorian said uh, on whatever date it was early in November, he said, I'm, I'm a loyal guy. I'm backing DJ Smith, but he did add an important caveat, Jeff. And that was the next 10 games are important. And it was almost his way of saying like, you know, let's, 
kind of see where we're at at 20 games. And um, when they come back from this road trip, they, they play tomorrow in Vegas, which should be tough. And then they got Anaheim and L.A. Uh, they come back on Monday. That'll be 21 games played. I think that's a natural checkpoint uh, here. If they can win these three games, I think maybe we, we kind of cool our jets a little bit on that. But this fan base is, is, is absolutely livid right now. And I think the one thing you learn in these markets, whether it's a Buffalo or Vancouver, um, these markets that have gone through a few years of, of frustration, at some point the fans feel like you need to change something here. You need to change something up. You can't just continually do the same thing. And I, and I pointed this out in a column this morning, and I said, look, last year – it's like this is like deja vu. They went out west to California. They got caved in in a game against San Jose, and they they sent Matt Murray down to the AHL. It was almost like, hey, we reached yeah. a, a boiling point. We needed to do something drastic, and that's what they did. And I kind of feel like I'm waking up today feeling like nah, I feel like something drastic's about to happen here. Uh, whether that's a trade, coach, something, but something's got to get. You can't do this repeatedly mm-hmm. and not expect. Uh, you know, some repercussions from the fans. Remember, this is a market that you're trying to win people back uh, to get them back in the doors of the building. And to do that, I think you have to to, to show that there's going to be consequences for, for underwhelming play. I think that's a really good point, too, because let's not forget, there's been a lot of, and this goes back to, listen, like this, go, this goes back to the draft in Montreal, the day they picked up Alex Debrinkit. And we had heard, you know, the whispers the night before and you kind of checked on it. And it was, well, maybe it's going to happen and maybe it's not. And then, boom, the day of the draft, they pulled the trigger on the, on, on the whopper. Uh, I think Pierre Dorian was looking at adding a defenseman before he left Montreal as well. Uh, Mackenzie Weger is believed to have been the target. That didn't happen. Um, and then it was, you know, it was positive story after positive story. It was Claude Giroux. It was Stutzla extension. Um, it was, you know, Norris extension. It's like, and, and, and on and on and on. And, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of mending that's gone on. I think it's safe to say, Ian, in, uh, in Ottawa and a lot of good momentum. And now the sale and here's Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, we're wondering about, you know, the weekend, for example, yeah. that Elliot and I have mentioned over the last couple of days, maybe uh, being involved. Like, th- There's been a lot of like good, fun stories around Ottawa that this team's record. And I don't know how much, you know, once you, once you tug, and the, 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 it all sort of unravels in some ways. I don't know how much damage has been done to all that goodwill they built up over the summer and into this season. But I don't know that it's situation critical or situation desperate right now. But the thing about Ottawa is, and you listen to Pierre Dorian, if they want to make a move to shake things up right now, it doesn't seem as if he wants to make any moves to move any player of consequence, but wants to get something that's going to help them move the needle. That doesn't sound like business to me, Ian. Well, but, and here's the other issue, Jeff, and as you know, as you and Elliot have talked about this quite a bit recently, is you know, when your team is up for sale, you wonder what are the, I don't even know how to phrase this, but I guess restrictions or handcuffs as you're sort of in this pending area, right? Like, like would you have the yep. green light to acquire a player who's under contract for the next four years at a certain cap hit or you know, bring in a coach at a certain number? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But there is absolutely an argument to be made that they're in some sort of weird uh, holding pattern. And look, this fan base, I want people to understand that are listening to this. 
this fan base in Ottawa has been through a lot. They are often the punching bag of, uh, you know, they're low-hanging fruit for people who think that they don't care about the Senators and the attendance is low. This is a very yeah. intelligent and patient fan base, and they're a capital P patient. They, 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 they've been waiting. This is now year six of the rebuild, oh essentially, the sixth, sixth season where they could miss the playoffs. Um, you got to do something. Like, like, to me, you promised you would be better to start the season. You promised you would take a step forward. This isn't me and the media making this up or the fan base. We're trying to hold you accountable to yeah. your expectations. You've fallen short, and I think this is the crazy thing, Jeff. Pierre Dorian never said, this is a playoff team. He just said, we want to play meaningful games in March and April. And even that, which is kind of, a, you know, they're, they're kind of selling the expectations short. They're even falling short of that. that that's what's vexing here mm. for the fan base, is they just feel like, hey, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie the last three years or four years yeah. in a row, and, and, you know, you've proclaimed the rebuild is done. Like, I, to me, you don't trade for Alex Debrinkit and give up a first-round pick and sign Claude Giroux unless you think that you are willing to take that next step. And you open up the, the app or the standings or however you look at the standings today, it's not reflective of a team that's taken a step. <sighs> Try to finish off with something good. Jake Sanderson sure. looks awesome. How about that, oh. Ian? He looks really, really good. He looks excellent. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and I think, look, and, and, and you, you fold that in as well, Jeff, with the ownership stuff. Like, we're on the precipice of some exciting times in Ottawa. And I think, you know, I, I hope fans realize yeah. that. Like, we, we've been through worse days. Like, trust me, we've been through worse days in this market. So, um, this, we, we should have a little yeah. bit of context here. But, boy, Sanderson, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think, uh, you know, Maddie Beneers, Logan, yeah. um, uh, Logan Thompson in Vegas. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of players who are going to push for that Calder Trophy. Jake is playing, and, and, and part of this is the absence of Shabbat, but Jeff, he's the number one guy they send out on the ice in the power play right now. The number one guy to kill penalties. Uh, he's, he's really effective at yeah. five on five. He's a legitimate top four defenseman at the age of 20 with fewer than 20 games experience under his butt. He is an absolute treat to watch, and, and he's been one of the saving graces, certainly for uh, for Ottawa during this underwhelming start. There we go. We finished on a high note. We finished on a positive. Starting with conspiracies and finishing on a high note. Uh, <laughs> all the in-between stuff. Uh, that's all the clouds and the rain and the storm. Uh, you're the best, Ian. Always a delight catching up. Thanks so much for this again, pal. You be, uh, you be well, and we'll check back soon. All right. Always great to join you. There he is, Ian Mendez, uh, who's a longtime uh, reporter for the Ottawa Senators. Listen, man, 5 to one's a tough one. Back-to-back 5-1 to one is even tougher. I know that Dorian doesn't want to make the decision on the coach, but you wonder if you're at the point where a decision on something needs to be made right now in Ottawa. Haley Salvian coming up here in a couple of moments. We'll get on the Calgary Flames page. We'll get to some of your favorite hockey conspiracies and try to weed out just the ones where you're complaining about a call. Uh, Johnny Duco as well, Toronto Metropolitan University head coach. They're getting the Nationals next year, folks. Salvi and Duco coming up, hour two on the horizon. Keep it here. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Coming up out of the hour, Johnny Duco is going to stop by. He's the head coach of Toronto Metropolitan University. Really good team, top 10 team in uh, U Sports this year. 
UNB's on top, shocking. G Bears number two, shocking. UQTR is awesome too. Um, but they're right in there. They're in the uh, top 10 mix this year. They will certainly be there next year as well uh, when they will host the U Sports Nationals. That is next March at the Madame Athletic Center. Uh, yes, that is the old Maple Leaf Gardens, which is a fantastic facility. Uh, in the meantime, uh, our good friend Haley Salvian stops by from Hockey Central 960 and The Athletic. Good afternoon, Haley. How are you? I'm doing well. I am. Uh, you know what? I'm just about to drive past the Penguins practice facility in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. So. Oh, very doing nice. Great. How how is Pennsylvania? Yeah. How is Pennsylvania treating you, Haley? It's great. It's straight. I'm on the I-90. I've been here for hours. We're good. It's doing well <laughs> so far. I just got into the state. Uh, it's been a busy week. Travel. I mean, I said week. It's only yeah. Tuesday. Jeez. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I didn't know you were having Johnny Duke on the show. Uh, I also went to TMU. So, just a little fun fact for everybody. And did you go? Did you did you go to many games? Yeah, I did. I actually like did some Ryerson. Well, I was Ryerson at the time, but I did some hockey coverage. I mostly, when I was there, my broadcast career started as a volleyball color commentator because there was already right. a couple guys doing all the hockey games. It was Victor Finley, actually, who who's, uh, does some good work. Oh, great guy. So, I never mm-hmm. did a lot of He's hockey. He's excellent. Vic stole that from me, yeah. Victor Finley took my took my hockey. So I did volleyball. <laughs> That's where my broadcast group I, I think. I think... I, th- I think you ended up just fine, Haley. I, th- I think both yeah, you and Vic both ended up just fine where uh, yeah. <laughs> where you are. Okay, so um, Calgary, Calgary Flames here. So um, 5-2 against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, fourth win in their last five. Road trip yeah. continues, as you mentioned. Three more games remaining. Pittsburgh Penguins on the horizon. How do you see this trip so far for the Calgary Flames? Well... I think when you try to think of maybe how coaches divvy things up, when you look at the five-game segments or you look at the six-game road trip, I mean, four wins in their last five is certainly a lot better than what we were looking at in their previous segment. Seven-game losing streak. And, you know, not all of the games have been super pretty. Like, I wouldn't say that the win against Philadelphia was a great one. You know, the Flyers were down. Right. So many of their big, important like NHL players, oh. um, and there was a dicey like ten minutes there in the third period. Um, it was three two, and and what I liked, even though the Flames maybe weren't perfect, is that you know the guy that I've specifically given a bit of heat in Jacob Markstrom, he was up to the task. Um, I really liked how Markstrom has responded lately, and he was really, really good when the game was 3-2. to two. Um, And then, obviously, they get the two empty mm-hmm. knuckles to steal the win. So it wasn't a pretty win against the Flyers, but they got it done. It was a good road win. Again, it's four wins out of five. And I and I think the Flames are, are really interesting right now because I said at the beginning of the season, um, you know, they've got tons of new faces, tons of changeover. You don't really know what you have until, like, the 20-game mark. And all of a sudden, we're almost there. And I still don't know if I have an answer. You know, like when you think, yeah, we'll know in 20 games, you know, we'll get a better idea of who mm-hmm. the Calgary Flames are. And I'm still not 100% sure because it has been 
you know, they had this really great start and a really challenging early schedule, one of the hardest in terms of strength of schedule in the NHL for through the first, you know, couple weeks of the season when they were winning and when they were losing. So I think you take that into consideration. Um, yeah, they have the win streak and then the losing streak. And now they're, you know, starting to piece some, some wins and get some points on the board here again. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time to truly know what the Flames are, but I think they are trending in the right direction. I like the way that the top three lines are looking. I know there's maybe some question marks on paper of seeing Jonathan Huberto on the quote-unquote third line. I wouldn't say they're deployed like a third line in terms of their time on ice, and they don't play like a third line in terms of the impact that they're making. Um, but I think the the, the pair, the trios, excuse me, that they have in, in the top nine right now, um, again, they weren't perfect last night. Andrew Mangiapane, uh is still struggling to start the season. He had a pretty bad turnover um, at an important part of the game last night. Um, but Dylan Dubé scores. And, and there's things that you like about Kadri, Mangiapane, and Dubé being together. So you maybe hope that last night is a, is a springboard for them. And Jonathan Huberto is starting to look more comfortable um, and, and we knew that that was going to happen because we know how good Jonathan Huberto is and we know how difficult um, this trade was for him. Um, you know, that you think that you're getting a contract extension in Florida and then the next thing you know, you're in Calgary and signing yeah. an extension with the Flames. I think we all knew that he was going to turn it around um, and we're starting to see that as well. And the top line is clicking really well. I mean, Adam Rizic is a great story right now and Elias Lindholm is starting to look like the Selkie winner or not winner, excuse me, candidate we saw last year. So that was my long-winded way mm. of saying I think the Flames are trending in the right direction, Jeff. <laughs> Well, no, no, that's a, listen, I, I, listen, we all know how thorough you are. And so no surprise, you gave a very thorough answer. Let me try to, let me try to pick out a couple <laughs> of things here. So, you know, you, you mentioned the enigmatic team and that's true. Uh, I think that's, you know, I, you know, Haley, I kind of think that's true about a lot of teams this season. Like you look at a team like yeah. the St. Louis Blues, like they rip off nine, nine or eight losses in a row. And then last night they just yeah. won their seventh game in a row, and they're about to, you know if they win the next yeah. one, it's you know eight losses and and eight wins. Like this really has become a real streaky league. Just to just to be blunt, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm not sure that I know the reason for it, other than just to remark that hey, look, it's really become a streaky yeah. league. Is there one player? Well, when was the last is there one player you look at? <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say like. Like the last, have you? When was the last time you just like took a real like rip up and down the NHL standings? Because they are a trip. Like I know I always look and I'm looking at specific yeah. teams. When you actually look up and down the league standings, like it's almost. I I want to you know I'm gonna get a graphic designer to do this for me because I'm terrible with Photoshop. But when I think of like the tiers of the league right now, you've got the top three teams that people kind of know are legit. In, um, in the Golden Knights, the Bruins, and the New Jersey Devils. Like, they have separated themselves. And then there's a team kind of mm-hmm. after where you're like, yeah, yeah, they're going to be fine. And then there's this massive question mark from, like, number seven to number 22. And then it drops off the teams. You're like, ah, yeah, whatever. But th- that whole middle chunk, like, there's, okay. like, over a dozen teams there where you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no thoughts. Okay, so know. let me – let me uh... Let me throw it while we're going down this uh, sidetrack here. Let me throw two teams at you then um, that are kind of in that. I mean, I, I mean I, for me, it's not really necessarily a question mark. Maybe it is for you. 
Um, but you're right. Like the teams that have distinguished themselves, New Jersey with the 13-game winning streak, um, the Boston Bruins, I mean, they don't know how to lose at this point. And Bergeron just got point number yeah. 1,000 last night, and they're on fire. And the Vegas goal of the Knights, I mean, that's a that's like, you know, that's like a team that just, just refuses to die, and they can come back no matter what the score is. Case in point, down 4-2 last night to the, Cal- the uh, Vancouver Canucks, and they come back with yeah. three straight. Where do you put where do you put two teams that we saw play against each other last night in a really entertaining game and that is Dallas and Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I feel like the Dallas Stars are going to be a problem for teams in the West. Oh, yeah. Like think of how challenging it was for the Calgary Flames to get past them in the first round last year. And that was basically just because of Jake Ottinger and, you know, some sprinkles yeah. of the top line that they had in Joe Pavelski and, and Rupa Hintz and Jason Robertson. Like, Jamie Benn wasn't doing well. Tyler Sagan still barely had a hip and a quad muscle, you know? Like, there wasn't depth there, and they were still an issue. And now it's like 2015 all over again, and Jamie Benn is leading the league in scoring in the month of November, and Jake Ottinger <laughs> yeah. looks just as good as they did in the first round. And Tyler Sagan has a hip and a quadricep again, and the top line's still one of the best in the league, and their power play's good. And, oh, by the way, there's Miro Heiskanen and Mason Marchment. Like, the Dallas Stars are going to be an issue. Like, I put them up there in that top tier. Like, they're not with Boston right now, but I look at Dallas and I mm-hmm. look at a really good team that's going to be very problematic in the postseason um, because they're heavy and they can now score. And I mean, in the asterisk is, like, can they keep this up? Like, is Jamie Benn going to do this in months down the road? Is Tyler Sagan going to keep doing this months down the road? So that's always the asterisk here. But I like the Dallas Stars a lot. And this kind of goes with what we know about Pete DeFore behind the bench right when he gets there. Like, he is a coach that gets his team far in the first year or two yep. of getting there. I think if you look yep. back at his first year in – in Vegas, we know that. And um, where was it? San Jose. Like, he, he gets them there, like, immediately. And I think we're going to see that with the Dallas Stars. And I like the Jets. I really like them. Our My friend at The Athletic, you um, do, eh? Tesh, he – Oh, I do. I like – so I did a season preview with um, Ken Reed and Sam Cosentino before the NHL season started. And Ken asked us, kind mm-hmm. of on the fly, at the end, I wasn't prepped for it, but he was like, who – what Canadian teams are going to make the playoffs? And I think Sam said, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary. And I was like, I'm going to ditch the Canucks, and I'm putting the Winnipeg Jets in here. Because you've got Rick Bonus, and we know what he did with the Dallas Stars last season. Um, and and then we know that Connor Hellebuck is a winning goaltender. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just I looked at them, and I was like, they're going to be annoying they're going to be really freaking annoying, and Kyle Connor's good. Like, I think the Jets are going to be good. And I think I was flying by the seat of my pants on that one. <laughs> but so far, it looks pretty good. <laughs> I like the Jets. <laughs> I, I, I just I just wonder, and Kelly Rudy always reminds me, don't be embarrassed to have a good goaltender. The goaltender is part of the team. I yes. just wonder how much all of this is about Con- about Connor Hellebuck. Like he, he's been yeah. lights out good. I just don't know how they can... I mean, Nick Ehlers brings such a different dimension 
to that team. Yeah. I mean, you put Nick Ehlers on any team, and it's like, wow, different dimension all of a sudden. I just don't know how you can how you going to do it long term without him in the lineup. But I look at Winnipeg, and listen, I'm a huge Mark Shifley fan. I love this guy. Um, yeah. You mentioned Kyle Connor, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Even though we all suspect that down the road this guy's going to do whatever it takes to get to Montreal, um, he's playing great yeah. uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. But I just wonder how much of this is – you know, this is this is Vesna Hellebuck all over again. Yeah, like that's that's what we're seeing. He's keeping him in games. I don't think you can look at a guy and say yeah, we need you to steal games, but he's stealing periods consistently yeah. for the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know. I just wonder how much of this this is just about the goalie. Yeah, I think it's fair. I do just think that that right now, like if we're looking at their results right now, I think the Jets are probably the best. Mm-hmm team that nobody's really talking about and sure i think the local media is like uh, you know i I just don't know if they're getting a ton of respect for some of the wins and and the results they're putting together and maybe it will die off if hellebuck starts getting getting tired um but he looks great and i think you know rick bonus is, is doing some things differently there i mean i I was talking to my colleague marada tesh with the athletic and you know the mark shifley two-minute shifts aren't happening anymore and um you know the line combinations (laughs) are a bit different the deployments are different so far so far so good i think if you if you look up and down in, in the central and you're looking at some of the teams there and you're looking at the west like which goalie or which goalies are you putting your money behind right now if you just look at the results and not just pedigree like, we're looking at Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger, who are kind of up there, right, in the Western Conference. Yeah. So those are two really interesting teams. Um, I think Dallas is probably going to end up being better when it's all said and done than Winnipeg for some of the things that you that you said, if those guys can keep it up and with Ben and Sagan, et cetera. But those are two really interesting teams for me. Like, they're less of a question mark. Like, they're less of a one being like, right. ooh, I don't know what to make of them. Like they are really good, and I. But I think the question is, you know, is is the is the magic sauce that's happening there gonna gonna last? We shall see. It's a it's a it's it's a long season. I love the story. Like I think we all, you know, even though we don't cheer for teams, we can cheer for people, and I think a lot of us cheer for Rick Bonus. Um, I mentioned Shifley. I just, I just love that guy. Um, there's a lot of reasons to get excited about Winnipeg Jets, and you hope that it can continue uh, because this was the season where we all said, well, the off season where we all said, yeah, they're going to trade everyone, blow it up, start all over again, get in the Bedard sweepstakes, etc. They're third in the in the uh, yeah. in, in the Central, as you mentioned. Okay, one one more quickie about the Calgary Flames. We'll let you get on with your day. Um, you mentioned Adam Rizicka. That's a really nice story for the Calgary Flames. Tomorrow they'll face off against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Malkin just had, you know, game number 1,000, and that was real emotional. His son, you know, reading yeah. the, uh, the starting lineup is fantastic. All of it is just just beautiful. Um, but the Pittsburgh Penguins have problems. Like, make no mistake about it. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a, uh, are a team that, uh, that has their flaws. How do you see the Penguins right now, the team that uh, the Calgary faces off against tomorrow? Yeah, they're interesting, too, because we obviously saw their losing streak, and they had a great start, and then they have a tough one, and now they're starting to string some wins and points together. Um, I, I find the Penguins are interesting in the sense where they get into trouble when they're trying to, you know, make it 2015 or 2009 again. Like, sometimes they'll get into trouble 
when they try to, to get into track meets with the younger, faster, quote, like, I don't want to say more skilled teams. The Penguins have a ton of skill at the top of their lineup, obviously, with Crosby and, and Malkin and Jake Gensel and Brian Russ, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they can get into trouble mm-hmm. by trying to kind of be those guys again. Um, they can't quite match it, whether you're playing against the Devils team or, or what have you. Um, so I think the matchup with Calgary is interesting because I think I don't think the Flames like playing in those track meet type games either. We all know what the Daryl Sutter system looks like. Um, so I'll be curious to see kind of how things match up there. The Penguins, I think the Penguins are a playoff team at the end of the day to like keep it short and sweet. I do think that I agree. Like they have issues. I think Chris Letang hasn't been great lately, um, and I think you're still looking at. Like, what do the Penguins need? Like, that's my question. Like, if we're looking at a deadline acquisition, like, are we going to see the Penguins try to get somebody who can actually move the needle? Or are they going to look for another depth guy that they hope can can do something, you know? Like, are they going to try to find a bank for your buck mm-hmm. guy at the deadline? Are they going to try to do a Ricard Raquel type thing again? And I, I don't know. They're a tough one for me. I think the Penguins are a good team. I think they're a playoff team. Um, but they are not without flaws for sure. Yeah, I think. Listen, this was the uh, the summer of keeping the band together. Um, it looked like Malkin was going to go right up until the very last minute, and they kept him in the mix. And you know, yeah. the Tang's in on the big ticket, and all of Crosby's guys are there, and Rust comes back, and Jeff Carter's still there. And I know there's some goalie decisions at the end of the season. They're old. Um, <laughs> they're they're not young. Yeah, they are on the as we like to say, shady <laughs> side of the mountain, not the sunny side of the mountain. Yeah, we can be diplomatic about these things, Haley. Um, I'll say hi yeah. to Johnny Duco for you at the bottom of the hour. I'm, I'm sure he'll love to uh, to hear you to hear that you're doing so well. I'm sure he already knows that. Yeah. Uh, but listen, uh, enjoy the road trip uh, and enjoy the game tomorrow against the Penguins. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, he'll probably be like, "Who? What are you talking about?" <laughs> I don't think so. But we'll test them. We'll see. I'll I'll text him <laughs> and let you know what his reaction was. Thanks so much for this. As always, yeah, Haley, you'll be I good. Can't wait. Yeah, see ya. There she is, Haley Salvian from the uh, Athletic and Hockey Central 960. Um, just an awesome person, too. Uh, okay, so Johnny Duco coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so we'll talk about that university getting the national championships next season. In the meantime, uh, we'll bring Maddie Marchese, our producer here on the uh, on the program. So, Maddie, at the beginning of the show, we and we did this with Ian, and we did this with Elliot as well, favorite hockey conspiracies, November 22nd. You know, it's always a day when I think of my uh, my buddy, and you would have loved him, by the way. He was a guy when I started at the fan. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go into Grandpa Simpson mode here for you, Maddie, a little bit. Oh, you know, son, when I started, potatoes, uh, potato belts were the style of the time. Um, when I started the fan in 1994, there was a guy that I met by the name of Al Navis, and Al was. Uh, he used to host a really good broadcaster. He ran a by appointment only first edition hardcover book selling business. Um, and if he didn't have the title you wanted, he could find it. And was a, he was a guy that hosted an afternoon show. It was pre-recorded, but it was a really good show. And it's a show, to, to be honest with you, Maddie, that I've, I, I've always kind of wanted to do as well, um, just for hockey. Um uh, the show was called Between the Lines. Uh, Al's moniker was The Book Doctor. And essentially, it was a show about sports books and their authors. Like, he'd have, he'd be two books a week. 
and he'd interview the authors. He would do it either on Thursday or Friday night. Uh, here's a blast for the past from old fan listeners will love this name. Stan Matecki, uh used to produce the show. Um, I don't know if there's anyone around the station that still remembers Stan Matecki, nonetheless. Um, and he would air it on Saturday afternoons, and I loved it. Lance, you remember Stan Matecki? He was great. He's at CBC now. Um, and anyway, so he was a big Kennedy researcher, was one of the consultants on Oliver Stone's JFK movie. And so whenever November 22nd rolls around, I always think about Al, because whenever I went to the bunker and that was where his shop was, it would be like new books, new videos, everything on the JFK assassination, etc. So to personalize it for the program, we put this one out. What is your favorite hockey conspiracy? Mine was the Flyers with Bobby Clark trying to prove that you don't need a great goaltender to win the Stanley Cup. You know, Bernie Perrant won those Conn Smythe trophies in 74, 75, and damn it, it should have been him. Um, that's my belief. That's my conspiracy theory or my pet conspiracy theory. Uh, a, do you have one? And B, do you have ones that the listeners have shared? Oh, we have a ton that the listeners have shared because apparently everybody's got a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> Hang on. This morning. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. How, how much of it, though? Okay, so you got to differentiate here. How, much, how many of them are like real conspiracy theories versus I didn't like this call, so I think the NHL is in the bag for this other team? Um, it's. I don't think it's a 50-50 split. I think a lot of it is bad calls that were that <laughs> screwed their favorite team, which I get. But there are some real right. beauties in here. But listen, at the when it comes All down right. to it, the one that always comes up is the Crosby one, which is super interesting to me because listen, the the Penguins were going nowhere. It ended up keeping Mario Lemieux in the league for No, they're going season. to Kansas City. They're they're, yeah. they're they were going to Kansas City is where they were going. Yeah, and so and so that is always a good one. Now, I know that this is going to sound like a a leaf bias thing, but it's only because the Toronto Maple Leafs were involved. Not I was too young to remember this. I was yeah. only four years old. Ninety three, ninety three. But but yeah, yeah, the high but stick. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I I know people want to believe that it's a conspiracy theory. The only thing that I will say is from a business perspective and growing the game in the United States, which is a big reason why Gary Bettman yeah. went to the NHL, it did make a lot of sense to not have Toronto and Montreal in the Stanley Cup final and to have Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings in there. Stop. So I get it. But I don't think that hang that's on. true. Hang on. Was I don't there, think that what, Hang on. I was going to say, was was that a Game 7 or was that a Game 6? Oh, game that's six. right. That was a Game exactly. 6. And Game 7 was in Toronto or in L.A.? Oh, right. It was in Toronto. 100%. Like, that was why, just a and, botched call by Kerry Fraser. That's it. They had another chance yeah. to win the thing at home. Like, I always say this to all Maple Leafs fans. If I told you at the beginning of the series, it wasn't going to be a best of seven. It was going to be a best of one. You're going to play one game against the Los Angeles Kings. That's going to be the that's going to be the, the semifinal that gets you in to play against the Montreal Canadiens. You're going to play one game. It's going to be in your barn in front of your fans. Um, it's Barry Melrose versus Pat Burns. Winner takes all. Do you want that? How many Leafs fans would have said, "Yeah, I'll take that one"? For I'll sure, take that one all 100%. day, hundred percent. And that, and that's why, like, I'm a realist when it comes to this, Jeff. Because I don't what think they had. That that's a conspiracy. That's theory. what they had. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Can I give you my favorite one that somebody tweeted in? This is the best. Of course, of course. Okay, this is from Zach Wheel, and he says, 
the Tampa Bay Lightning were created to launder money for the Japanese Yakuza. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Okay, that's just ridiculous. Oh it's so good. Um, <laughs> it's... It's spectacular. Well, I mean, that was, by the way, that was a real surprise when they got in. I re- I remember that specifically. That what that was a real shock that they got, that they got the, uh, that they got the, uh, they got the uh, the royal wave to get the expansion team. And were there a lot of Japanese investors? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a jump and probably a racist one as well to say that that was just there to to clean money for the yakuza. Um, that's a that's a wild one. Maddie, I have never heard that one before, but uh, I guess that's why they call them conspiracy theories. I guess the uh, the bolder the conspiracy, maybe the the more it makes sense or whatever the cliche has. Um, yeah, I don't know about that one. Never heard it. Um, no, I mean I don't know that I believe it. Probably don't. Here's, but. here's one that was going around last night before you even had to say anything that Wes McCauley hates the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's that one as well. Um, this one, oh, this one um, is also a good one. This is from John, and he says the 72 Summit Series was fixed after Alan Eagleson made a hasty deal to arrange for the defection of several Soviet star players in return for their role in ensuring Team Canada's comeback victory. Okay, so tell me the names of all these players. None of them would be my follow-up. <laughs> Tell me all of these, all of these players who just all of a sudden, hey, oh, this guy's playing on the Red Wings, and this guy's on the North Stars, and look, this guy's a Philadelphia Flyer, and this yeah, guy's playing nothing. on the Los Angeles. No, they're the the only one that I. There's only been one. <clears throat> okay. There's only been one official that I've ever wondered about. Ever told you about this before? Because I don't buy all the, oh, Wes McCauley hates Toronto, or Kerry Fraser's in the bag for the league trying to get the Kings to the Stanley Cup. I, none of it. There's only one official that I've ever want, wondered about, and it involves one team. And again, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. No, I don't think you've ever told me. Art Skov was a longtime official in the NHL. And I remember having a long conversation with the now late Emil Francis about the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, Cat was a you know the manager and coached and you know ran the Rangers for a long time. And he said to me, and I've always tried to find this video. I've got a lot of white whales, by the way. I'm sure you've been able to Apparently. gather from this Apparently. this and other shows trying to find Bill Wirtz. You know, I'm saying justice. What did that mean? And I've always tried to find this video or at least an image of it. There was a game. It was the Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers. And we can all recall, you know, bitter, bitter playoff games between the two. Like, you know, Dale Rolf getting like, severely beaten. You can find this on YouTube. Like this is if you're a newer hockey fan. The Dale Rolf-Dave Schultz incident was a brutal one. Um, like these two teams really did not like each other and the Flyers really, you know, bullied their way into win, uh, win after win against the, the New York Rangers. So there was a belief in the NHL at the time, going to be very careful with my words here, that Art Scove was preferential to the Philadelphia <laughs> That's Flyers. That's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> and... 
Francis told me that one night his Rangers were in the spectrum playing the Philadelphia Flyers, and when they announced the officials, they also announced... This is so this is so bad. They also announced, and I think put up on the video board as well, the Philadelphia Flyers record when Art was officiating. Oh boy. And it was like thirty six and two or something like that. He's got a good boxing record. He said he had never <laughs> he said he'd never been angry. He was like Kat told me he was just livid at that. He's like, What is this? Is this like Philadelphia celebrating what they believe is an official who's in the bag for the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, I know this comes from one side and this comes from the Rangers, but there have been other historians that have sort of wondered about that one as well. It's a really uncomfortable situation, considering also, you know, the, the position that Artskov, you know, uh, had uh, in the, the landscape of hockey at the time and historically. But that's the only, honestly, Maddie, that's the only official that I've wondered about. He's the, the is, only one. That's He's a the pretty guy. The evidence, Your Honor, would 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 look to uh, Again, yes. That, that is a comes, good case. Listen, we just we just lost Emil Francis not too long ago, and he was. I, I wish you would have met him. This is a delightful guy. One was actually as well. He was the last. He would have been the la- either the last person or the last person from the NHL to see Terry Sawchuk alive, right? He was the last one to visit him in the hospital before he passed away. Oh yeah, oh Cat's story is fascinating. He's one of the most in uh, one of one of the one of the really one of the most impressive people that I've met in, in my time in hockey. He's he was a marvelous guy and just a, sure. a, a fountain of knowledge and insight and yeah. But I'll never forget that conversation about. Uh, but the Philadelphia Flyers and Art, Ooh, that's a tough one. All right, uh, a couple I, more before we get to Johnny Duco. Yeah, I, I did see one. I saw one as I was scrolling through, and I, and I apologize. I didn't get the name because I was just doing it again for a last check. Um, that the CIA no was involved in Soviet defections. Oh, wow. Um, you know You know who I'd love to talk to, and I'd love to get him on the program? Here you go. I'm going to give you some homework. You know who I want to talk to? Me and Elliot get all the homework here. We got to give you homework, Jeff. <laughs> Elliot gave me homework. Do you hear what happened to us on the weekend? He calls me up. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, I'm not sure if there's anything there, but can you, do you have any connections to the weekend? And I'm like, like the musician? <laughs> He's like, I yeah. So we went on, both Elliot and I right went now. on this, this, this goose chase all, all Saturday, but it was weird the way that nobody was denying it. At all. Anyway, um, I get homework. I get home. But he, okay, so here, here's who I want to talk to. And I've always felt that this gentleman as well would have made a great leader of the NHL Players Association, but never was. You know who I want to talk to? Jerry Meehan. I, I have Jerry. Let's get Jerry Meehan on it. the show. Jerry Meehan, Jerry Meehan was integral in bringing over Alexander McGillney. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to Jerry Meehan. As a matter of fact, I think I, think I, I can make that happen. Jerry Meehan. I can, I can send that to you. I'd love to get Jerry Meehan on. Because we know we just had the Hall of Fame and Alexander McGillney conversation is every time the Hall t- conversation rolls around, the Alamo talk heats up. So I wouldn't mind revisiting that. Yes. If you find I that would love that. to have that conversation. I Jerry, think that's great. Jerry Meehan would be a fascinating guy. All right. One more quickie before we get to Duco. So I'm giving you All right. Uh, so Jerry Meehan. 
This one from Andy Lau. Um, Tim Thomas used incredibly illegal pads in the 2011 final because Kay Whitmore uh, once played for the Canucks and was basically taken off of the the series by the NHL, and therefore Tim Thomas cheated. That's that's the the conspiracy theory. Okay. I got to keep my phone away from the camera so you can't see who this is. So I saw that one this morning, and I texted someone who was on that team, and I just said, did Tim Thomas have illegal pads in the 2011 final? And what got, got back was, not that I know of. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I not Because I don't no know. <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, Jeff. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know. I mean, deemed illegal because what Kay Whitmore wasn't there to measure them. There was no one there to measure pads. And that's what and and that's right? what and my the, thing the, was. The thing about the thing about Tim Thomas was, don't forget, he was a he was a smallish goaltender. Like Roberto Luongo was a giant compared to to Tim Thomas. And if you're a goaltender who has illegal pads to seal up a five hole, that helps you out a ton. But I have no way of proving that one and again it's just one player that i texted who was on that team and it wasn't a no for all you conspiracy theorists it was just a not that i know of dun, so dun, 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 so dun. here's so here's the here's what they keep the conspiracy going so here's here's what somebody said um this was a a text or something it says tim thomas took full advantage and altered okay. his pads with strap with a strapping system that would close his five hole when he went down his gear was never checked i don't know where that comes from in terms of that information but you know that is what you know somebody what says. so you know what that might have turned into is the uh the lundquist loop so the yeah. Lundqvist loop is is something at the back of the goalie skates that are pretty it's pretty standard now that Henrik Lundqvist I thought had I always thought it was Henrik Lundqvist if this is the same thing as Tim Thomas or it might be something different uh, always wore so um, on the so you, you you tie you tie the pads to essentially a loop behind the skates which allows your pads to ride higher when you go down so it does exactly what you're saying now is that cheating. So here's here's another one, that, Jeff. If that isn't allowed by the NHL, that piece of equipment. So here, anyway, what? here's the here's the other thing. These these are called Piku pads, and what somebody is saying, and I don't know what I'm trying to look up what Piku pads are, and we don't have enough Piku time pads. for it. But um, there's apparently uh, Chris Piku is um, someone who is involved in this, and basically they were his pads, and they unstitched the name or whatever, and put the Vaughn logo over top of them. So they weren't actually Vaughn pads. That's what somebody's claiming. Okay, this needs further investigation now. I live for stuff <laughs> like this. Oh, this is this is a protein shake for your boy here, Maddie. This is great. This is awesome. All this right, let's um this total catnip, man. I'm just rolling around in it on a spring morning. Um, okay, that's good. Park that conversation. Let's you and me talk about that after the program. In the meantime, we'll hit a quick break. So I want to get Johnny in here. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, Toronto Metropolitan University, um, that great institution, will host the uh, U Sports hockey, Men's Hockey Final Tournament next year. We'll talk to him about his team uh, and what next year's squad looks like as well. Um, and there's a couple of really big names, by the way, that have gone through that um, uh, that hockey team. So we'll uh, we'll share that information with you as well when we come back with Johnny Duco, the head coach of the Toronto Metropolitan University hockey squad. Merrick Show continues talking you sports, folks. Uh, when the Merrick Show continues here on Sportsnet 590, the Fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, 
and Sportsnet 360. We're back in a moment. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. As we uh, discussed briefly yesterday, um, congratulations to Toronto Metropolitan University. Uh, They will host the Men's U-Sports National Championship next season and the first time since 96-97 that Toronto uh, will host this event. Here to discuss what this means, uh, both for the school, the hockey program, and the city as well, to say nothing about shining a light on the Mattamy Athletic Centre, is Johnny Duco, the head coach of the men's hockey team. Johnny, how are you today? Thanks so much for coming aboard. I'm doing great, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to you know talking about the championship. We're we're thrilled to be hosting. I was I was going to say, what's the uh, what's the process like? And and first of all, congratulations. And and walk us through what a, a process like this must be like for your team. Like I've. I'm. I know what goes into you know uh, applications and 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 the the process for hosting events like the Memorial Cup, for example. But when it comes to the U Sport National Championship, what goes into that? Um, you know, first off, a huge kudos to Luis Cohen, our executive director, and Nick Asquini. Nick really spearheaded the effort and putting the proposal together, and you know, showcasing and highlighting you know all the the positives that, you know, could be had by hosting it here at TMU and, you know, the ability to showcase, you know, our program, our institution, and, you know, all that we have to offer to the Toronto hockey community. So, you know, first off, like huge kudos Mm -hmm. to them and, you know, the work they did behind the scenes. And then, you know, for our players, I think it's really rewarding. You know, we've, you know, we've been one of the top teams in the OUA the last number of years. And, you know, last year we got a taste of getting to the national tournament and, you know, how special that that can be. And, you know, now looking forward to the opportunity next year to host it on home ice, you know, in front of our family and friends, our alumni, all the stakeholders that, you know, are involved in the program and, you know, help us and support us in such a tremendous way. You know, I just think it's really rewarding to see where the programs come from. You know, back in the day, you know, the the team wasn't, you know, always, you know, super competitive. And, you know, with Graham Wise and the Alumni Association and the work that everyone's done to help pave the way to get us to this day is is just tremendous. So I think there's a lot of pride, you know, a lot of really invested people have, you know, helped get us to this point. And, you know, we're really excited to showcase our program on the biggest stage. You know, and uh, first of all, before we get to, you know, the team this year and what it looks like next season as well, just give us a sense of, like, what goes through your mind when you knock off UNB? Like, University of New Brunswick, I mean, that is a that is a juggernaut, that is a powerhouse. Uh, latest rankings again, you know, they're they're still number one. Alberta Golden Bears are, you know, right there with them. But this is the, the perennial powerhouse. What was it like knocking them off last year? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty special moment. Our guys, you know, executed extremely well. And, you know, we had a lot of confidence in our group. We had played UMB and exhibition leading up to that, you know, four times over the, you know, the previous few years. So we knew how talented they were and that it was going to take our absolute best. It was going to take a near-perfect, you know, hockey game. We'd have to execute. You know, we'd have to get great goaltending. And, um, you know, we were able to come out and, and play arguably our best game of the year. And, you know, we were sharp and, um, we had a veteran team that had, had had a lot of really tough playoff losses over the years. And, you know, that culmination of that moment to all come together and, you know, everything click and, you know, go in our favor was, 
was really special. And obviously Gardner McDougall does a tremendous job over there. And, you know, year in, year out, like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're kicking tires trying to win a national championship. So, yeah, to get to that stage and, you know, to mm-hmm. knock them off, I think was a huge point for our program to show that, you know, we're, we're a serious program and we mean business. And, you know, moving forward, the expectation is, you know, whether we're hosting or not is, you know, getting into that tournament, you know, through the front door and, you know, hopefully having the opportunity to win a national championship on home ice. And, you know, that's what drives us and that's what excites our program. And, yeah. you know, hope, hopefully we're in PEI this year and, you know, playing for a chance again. And, um, you know, then next year, you know, obviously having the automatic entry and, you know, building towards that as well. So, yeah, really, really special moment, you know, almost surreal, you know, knocking those guys off with how, how special of a group they have and, you know, knowing the type of effort it was going to take. I was really proud of our program and to see how far we've come. You know, your your um your program's an interesting one as well, and not just from the players' point of view, but also coaching as well. Uh, I mean, you're the head coach here, but some names that have, have come through, I look at uh, Nathaniel Brooks, who I know and is still very much involved, uh, and on top of everything that TMU is uh, is doing right now, he's working with the Arizona Coyotes with Lee Stempniak and uh, in player development. Um, if you could say a couple of things about uh, about Nathaniel, but also Corey Chevry. Um, who is just, a, and if people don't know, uh, if you could share her story with people, just uh, A, a dynamic and outstanding coach, but two, a wonderful story as well. You have a thought on Nathaniel Brooks and Corey Chevry. Yeah, I mean, Nathaniel and I, we have a tremendous working relationship. We're also, you know, very close friends. So, you know, that always makes that working relationship all the all the more better. We can be honest with one another. And I think, you know, him and I, you know, have always gelled well. We see the game at the same the same lens and, you know, we've had a tremendous relationship and, you know, huge loss for us, you know, not having him on the bench with us this year. But, you know, we viewed it as a win-win, the opportunity for him to get to the NHL level. You know, we can pick his brain, what they're doing there, you know, hopefully adopt some of those those ideas and just couldn't be happier for him. I mean, nobody works harder. He's a terrific coach, whether he's on the bench or working on the development yeah. side. You know, he brings such a unique, you know, lens to the game and, um, you know, really, really happy for him and the work he's doing and, you know, sky's the limit. Anyone who knows Nathaniel knows that, you know, he's on the fast track to, you know, doing great things in hockey. So um, really proud of Nathaniel, really happy for him. And, you know, our program couldn't have been happier to see him move on as much as, you know, we do miss him on the day to day. Um, You know, and then Corey, you know, Corey was someone that, you know, was the first full-time, you know, female coach in youth sports hockey, you know, definitely breaking barriers and, you know, setting the trend that you see today where, you know, a lot more female coaches being hired in, in hockey and in men's sports. And, you know, Corey definitely helped pave the way. And she was a tremendous coach and another huge loss for our program. You know, the players a tremendous respect for her. Nobody worked harder than Corey. You know, on the application side of things, you know, one of the smartest people, you know, I've been around in the game of hockey and somebody that I learned a lot from and certainly made me a better coach both on and off the ice you know, having that, that time together with her and, you know, then for her to get the opportunity to go and, you know, be an assistant coach with the national team and, you know, win a gold medal and to can, to see her continuing on. She was a guest coach with Arizona, continuing to work with the national program and, you know, another coach that sky's the limit, you know, she's going to continue to do great things. She works hard. She's personable. She's well-prepared and, you know, she knows her stuff. So two, two huge losses, but for us, you know, take a lot of pride in, you know, continuing to move our coaches on, continuing to set them up for success. You know, I've got Mike Fine now, who's our former captain, and, 
Um, you know, he's our full-time associate coach now. And, you know, the plan will be to, you know, set Mike up to be the next guy that's, you know, whether he's moving on to, you know, professional hockey, to be a head coach on his own, um, you know, continue to provide, you know, my assistant coaches, my associate coaches, my staff with the, the same level of leadership and responsibility that Graham Wise did for me to help prepare me to be a head coach in this league at this level. So it's, it's always paving it forward, you know, doing what we can for one another and sure. trying to set up the individual and the program for success. So I want to, we got about five minutes left here. I want to ask you a little bit about your team. Now, you know, there's one player specifically that I first met when he was playing as would have been his minor midget year with the Marlboros. I met him actually for the first time. I met him at the, where, where you guys practice and play the Mattamy Athletic Center during the, uh, the OHL Cup. His Marlboros, I think they would have been playing York Simcoe Express in the final, I think. Um, anyway, and that's uh, Elijah Roberts, uh, defenseman, went on to have a really nice OHL career as well. Um, he's one name that that pops out to me right away. I mean, Kyle Bowlers is a, a wonderful story as well. Can you can you pull out in a couple of minutes here a couple of players that we should we should really get to know on TMU? Yeah, I mean, well, Elijah is a great place to start. You know, he's a team first player. You know, like no other, Elijah can be a top five, six forward on our roster and a top two, three defenseman. Last year, he played predominantly forward. And then at the end of the year in playoffs and at the national tournament, he played defense. And then this year, he started on forward. And we've had some holes on defense due to injuries. And, you know, he's been able to jump back and play on our top D pair. And, you know, having a player that can kill penalties, that can play on the power play, that can play in your top six on forward, that could play in your top two, three on defense is, you know, a unicorn, right? And he can do things that, that other people just can't. He's a tremendous skater. You know, he's got an elite skill. You know, he's very passionate and competitive. And, you know, something not a lot of people know about him, but he also has a baby on the way. And, you know, juggling being a student hey. and everything that he's doing, well, you know, having that responsibility coming away from the rank is – you know, someone that we support, but, you know, he doesn't need it. He takes it in stride. You know, he takes everything with ease and grace. And, you know, he's just such a tremendous person and, you know, an elite hockey player for us. So someone we're really excited and, you know, happy to have here as a, a leader and big part of our program. And then Kyle Bowlers, you know, Kyle last year was the, the award winner for the Dr. Randy Gregg Award. And that award, we feel, is probably the most important award you can win in university hockey. It, it really exemplifies you know, all three aspects of being a student athlete and that's school, hockey and community. And Kyle excels in school, you know, he excels on the ice and he excels in his community work and giving back to both the TMU community and the Toronto hockey community um, as, as well. So he's, he's just such a first class person. You know, he, mm-hmm. he treats his teammates with the utmost respect. He comes to the rink every day, you know, he works his tail off and he does things the right way. So he's, He's definitely the model student athlete, you know, and like I said about Elijah, like sometimes being a student athlete isn't easy. You're, you're juggling school. Some guys have a part-time job, you know, you're at the rink every morning, working out, skating every day, playing games, competing on the weekend. And, you know, it's a pretty rigorous lifestyle when you do mix in, you know, the, the workload and, you know, the school side of things. So, you know, Kyle's definitely someone who leads by example and, you know, he's currently got, you know, 22 points through 11 games and, you know, he's, he's one of the top players in, you know, all of you sports hockey. So, you know, another player that, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have as a member of our program and, 
um, you know, really fortunate that, you know, he chose to come to TMU and, you know, saw our vision and, you know, we're seeing it come to light now and him being a big part of it. Um, you know, a few other names, I think Ty Edmonds, our, our goalie right now, he's come in as a first year player, you know, he's off to a seven and one start, you know, he's, he's been tremendous for us and he's certainly someone that we're looking to build around transitioning into next year, hosting the national tournament and feel that, you know, he's certainly the type of goalie that you can build a championship roster around. He's a hard worker. He's got great size. You know, he's super competitive, and you know, he's he's elite in the net. So he's he's someone that we're we're thrilled about. You know, this year our, our captain uh, Jesse Barwell, he's in his fifth year, and you know, he's the third or fourth right now in the league in scoring, and he's playing with Kyle, and you know, he's really broke out. He brings tremendous leadership and. You know, he's a player that's been with us now for, for a number of years. And um, to see him breaking out and having the success he's having this year as someone that definitely has that's, aspirations to play in some pro, we're, we're excited. That's awesome. Listen, and uh, I, I, that's a very savvy coaching move, mentioning Kai Edwards, you know, the old the old saying, show me a good goalie, I'll show you a good coach, you know, to take care of the net minders because uh, so much of your, your team's fortune uh, rests with the goalie. We're, uh, we're up against the clock. Johnny, thanks so much for stopping by. Congratulations. Uh, always following you, sports, hockey. Uh, we'll follow this year into PEI, and we'll follow next year uh, as you guys host the tournament. Thanks so much for stopping by today. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate it. That's Johnny Duco. He's the head coach of Toronto Metropolitan University. Next year, they will host uh, the U Sports National Championship. Thanks to Johnny for stopping by. Haley Salvian as well. And, of course, I forgot to ask Johnny about Haley. Bad host. Uh, Ian Mendez, thank you very much. And Elliot Friedman as well. No show tomorrow. It's all soccer all day long. We're back on Thursday with more of the Merrick Show. Enjoy the games tonight.